We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome into the wednesday edition of the pack a day podcast i'm steve fresh joined as always by dusty easley sarah kelleher guys um yeah interesting interesting things going around the nfl right now so let's just check in with you guys first see how everybody's holding up Sarah what's going on with you yeah I mean obviously you're referring to what happened during the Bills Bengals game um, on Monday night with Tamar Hamlin and it's just it was awful to see that happen you know we don't need to get get into it um, everyone has seen it by now and you know just everyone has already said it but thoughts and prayers to him and to his family and to you know both the Bills and Bengals organizations. I mean, being there on the field, witnessing that, just that has to be traumatic and very scary in many ways. And you know, it's just a very harsh reminder that while football is a great source of entertainment that we all love, it's also a very dangerous game. And that at the end of the day, these are human beings that are out on the field, and that life can be taken away from you in a split second. So you know, just a very tough thing to see, and um, you know something that at least has been a positive is just seeing the response and how the players and other coaches and other teams and just fans from every team and people all around the world have really rallied together. And, um, 
so at the end of the day, um, you know, it was just a reminder that it's about the human beings and not just the football players that we tune in and watch every weekend. And yeah, tough to see. And I hope that um, he has a full recovery. Um, You know, I know there have been little updates, but it seems like at least that things are going in the right direction, that he's going to make it. And yes, it'll be a long road, but hopefully one that he's able to recover from. And at this point, just his life is the most important thing. But yeah, just just not a, a good time right now in the NFL and really tough to see that happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's terrifying stuff. I, I was not watching the game live when I, when I write, I tend to kind of do my stuff and go underground for a little bit. So I'm not influenced by a ton of other people's writings or thoughts on Packer stuff. And so I had no idea what was going on. I checked back in uh, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, whenever it was. Uh, and I was like, Oh my gosh, what, what, what is happening here? So it took me a while to suss stuff out, but yeah, just everything Sarah said, I mean, terrifying situation, just absolutely horrifying. You feel for, I mean, him clearly his family. I know his mom was at the game. I know his uncle was kind of communicating with the press and also i mean just you feel for t higgins as well higgins you know his partner hitting him you know obviously that was not anything dirty that was not anything that looked particularly brutal it's just <laughs> wrong place wrong time all of that stuff i mean just it's it's a brutal game and every now and then these things will happen although you you hope these like this specific stuff will not happen and we certainly haven't seen that happen and so i can't imagine what's going on t higgins head right now you know clearly not not his fault, but I, but I can't imagine. I mean, if I was in that situation, I know how I would feel just, just racked with guilt. So I hope that there's a good support system in place for him as well to kind of go through this. And I mean, just seeing, you know, more than I tried not to watch the video itself, but just seeing the reactions from the people on the field, from Josh Allen and the Bills sideline and the Bengals sideline and just everyone involved. And I mean, just, just absolutely horrifying stuff. And then you just, you can't be more thankful for the, the medical personnel that was, that was there for the leadership of both Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor to kind of come together and, and say, listen, we're not, we don't, we don't really care what the NFL wants us to do. We're not playing this game. You saw there was guys, there's been conflicting reports on it, but it certainly seems like they wanted the game to continue. There were guys warming up on the field and, and they just said, we're not doing this. So the, just the, the, and then the bills flew home uh, yesterday as well. Uh, so we're not, we're not resuming the game over here. We're just not doing this. So, I mean, just the leadership on both sides, um, I think was, was really tremendous to see that, but yeah, just everything Sarah said, just obviously prayers up for, for Hamlin and hope he makes a full recovery and, you know, his family and everyone, they're just, just, I mean, we've been in those situations, not with a football player, but I've been in those situations before with family. And like, there's, you, it's such a helpless feeling. And it's just, it's horrifying to be there knowing you can't do anything. So uh, prayers for everyone involved in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously the NFL got it right. Like you, you've got to think that the players that were on that field that literally saw their teammate, a, a competitor die on the field like that, the amount of emotional trauma that they went through as well. Like there's no way in hell, like, okay, five minutes, get yourself ready to play. Like, like Dusty said, it was conflicting reports, whether the NFL is saying get back out there or not. I'm glad they eventually made the right decision and decided not to play, postponing it, figuring that all out. Um, And also it's just a reminder, like when you see things on Twitter, it's okay to block people like Skip Bayless. It's okay to block them. Like just he put out a absolutely horrible tweet and he apologized for it this morning and his partner for his show, Shannon Sharp didn't even show up for the show because from all I could tell he was disgusted from what what Skip said. So again, like if you find these horrible people on Twitter, it's okay to block them. Like just don't give them that energy because 
it was a, an, a tragic event and, you know, trying to monopolize on that with like viral tweets is just beyond reprehensible. So um, that being said, what we want to do, what we always try to do is, you know, we want to give you guys some form of entertainment, some crazy stuff's going on in the world of football, but we do want to talk about the Packers because that's why you tune in to listen to us. So that's what we're going to do. Um, give you guys a little bit of break from what's going on in the rest of the NFL world and just talk Packers for a little bit. So, um, guys, let's let's get some reactions, man, because Sunday was a lot of fun. Uh, it's not every day that you get to uh, boat race the Minnesota Vikings at home and it was just all around fun. And I think Andy Herman put it, put it greatly when I, I saw a tweet and he said it was 41 to 17. And it's not too often that you can say that uh, it wasn't as close as the score uh, determined. And so, yeah, it's not too often that it's that big of a, a boat race. And you're like, no, nah, it wasn't that close. So Dusty, tell me a little, little bit about what you thought about the game. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I mean, you know, we, we kind of talked about it before the show, but I went from from the lowest lows to the highest highs in, in very quick succession. You had the block the block punt that was down at the one, and it's like, oh, here we go again. Packers hold them to a field goal. I think that's good. Could have been a lot worse. And then immediately 105-yard kickoff return. I love that Keyshawn Nixon is just, just will return anything from anywhere on the field. There was a moment that came out earlier today is between him and the kicker from the Vikings kind of talking about that, and the kicker's like, where'd you take that out from? It's like five yards deep. He's like, five. Okay, I thought it was five. And he's like, this is the first time anyone's ever returned a kick for a touchdown against me. So seeing some of that stuff was kind of cool. But, yeah, I mean, that. and from there, it was kind of off. You know, I think the offense, the passing offense, I think what Rodgers had 24 attempts or 24 dropbacks, something like that. They leaned heavy on the rushing game. Aaron Jones looked amazing. The, uh, the offensive line looked great. You know, the passing game was a little up and down. Those deep shots, I think Rodgers was one for five on deep shots. There was – officials were letting them get away with something on both sides of the ball there. Uh, Packers got away with some stuff as well, but they, the deep shots weren't there, but Rodgers looked good in the intermediate area and the running game was killing. It was just, you know, you go into this and it's like they, they need, they need two wins because the, the Browns had won early in the day, two wins and they're in. It's just, you're kind of stressed out going into it. And then within about 10 minutes, it was like, oh, this is going to be nice and relaxing. This is nice. So get to save my stress for this upcoming week against the lions. But yeah, it was a, I think still certainly some concerns uh, that that will need to be looked at. You're not going to you know return, get a pick six, two other picks, and then a kickoff return for a touchdown in the same game every single game. But man, if you put up 40 points, I'm not really going to nitpick. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I mean, anytime that your team just absolutely blows another team out is great, but when you do it against the Minnesota Vikings, it's just even better. Um, so. Things are just falling into place. I mean, if you would have told me even three, four weeks ago, hey, Packers just have to win one game and they're in the playoffs, I would have laughed in your face. So this is awesome. Great spot to be in um, for Green Bay. And, you know, I, I tweeted it out with um, our the call for questions, but it's just it reminded me a lot of Thanos when he has the Infinity Gauntlet and he says, one to go. That's it. One more for the Packers, and they're in. So I'm excited about it. So now the Packers are the bad guys? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. I'm just saying. Good Good can also be done with the Infinity Gauntlet, Steve. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Thanos did not do that. He did very bad things. Yeah, well, it, but good could Thanos, be done right? with it. Yes. I mean, I don't know everything about the, the Marvel world, but pretty sure I know that Thanos was the bad guy. Listen, it wasn't a literal comparison. I was just saying. It was reminding me of one to go. <laughs> 
Okay. Thank you for the clarification. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And like being able to see Darnell Savage do some things again. Um, that was really cool. And then, you know, Tunyon getting a touchdown. Like it was just, it wasn't the normal stuff. It wasn't, you know, Christian Watson breaking stuff off for big touchdowns. I mean, granted, I would have loved to see that, but it was coming from different areas. And I think that's a really big thing for the Packers to succeed going down into the playoffs if they can win this next game and, and go forward is it's not going to be the same guys every time. Like, you know, Aaron Jones is still dinged up. A.J. Dillon hopefully can get some things done. Um, you know, Dobbs doing some things and mixing everybody into this, like the defense putting up like – their best, like it's got to be their best effort. I mean, I remember I was watching the game with my brother and my family, and I was like, "This is this is the defense that we all thought the Packers were going to be. This is at the beginning of the year. This is who we thought they were going to be." So if Joe Barry is actually adjusting, which it looked like he did, he let Jair cover JJ for quite a bit of the game um, and, and really do some good things. Like, man, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting week eighteen. So. Guys, we've got a couple of small little announcements for the the practice squad. They the Packers signed tight end Austin Allen. They also signed uh, Matt Amendola, a kicker, to the practice squad. Dusty, who was the guy that they uh, that got injured? The kicker, uh, Ahmed. Yeah, because they, oh, they right. actually they brought him up to the active roster before the game for kickoff duties and potentially to kick up maybe a 56 yard field goal in the extreme cold. Um, but it sounds like he tweaked his leg or something in warmups. Yeah, his groin apparently in warm. Oh, wasn't what they okay. said. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so they've added a few things. It sounds like they weren't making like official announcements. Nothing was really made officially released. Just sounds like they're having a little, everybody in the NFL is kind of not making big announcements today. Just kind of with the bills, just letting things be. So, um, but Sarah Rogers did join Pat McAfee. So tell us a little bit about what he talked about today. Sure. So Rogers indeed was on Pat McAfee debut. Well, debuting on the show. If you watch the post game press conference on Sunday, you would have seen it. But he's bringing back the short hair. Um, and Ty on the Pat McAfee show said it's given a lot of 2010 vibes and he really likes that. So, you know, maybe that was intentional for Rogers. Little new year, new me look going on for him there. Um, so, of course, all Pat and the boys were all hyped up about that. Um, but as expected, um, a large portion of the conversation on the Pat McAfee show uh, was about Hamlin and just the horrific incident that happened on Monday Night Football Um Rogers said, you know, it's been tough on the football community in general. He wasn't originally watching the game and he just happened to change the channel and he expected to see a halftime show and then to see that they were in studio and that it wasn't halftime. He knew right away it wasn't a good sign, you know, quickly figured out what was happening. Um, he said he actually reached out to Josh Allen right away. You know, he said he's he's a good friend and I wanted to make sure he was okay, you know, trying to put myself in his shoes. If I were, were on the field and saw that, you know, it would be very difficult. Um, and he, you know, he said, I wasn't expecting a response, but he actually texted him back right from the locker room. Um, so that was something that he shared. Um, you know, he also mentioned that he thought that the broadcast team uh, did a really good job showing empathy in a really tough situation. You know, obviously you can't prepare for a moment like that. And he thought 
Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and Lisa and the rest of the team that was in the studio were just doing the best that they could in just almost an impossible situation. Um, he talked a little bit about the five minutes rumor that is going around, like who, where did that come from? Because the NFL is saying that didn't come from us, but you know, it was obviously somebody told that to Joe Buck and he shared it on the broadcast. Um, so he, you know, like the rest of us thought that was pretty crazy. And he said, you know, one person that he thinks deserves a lot of credit is coach Taylor, uh, the Bengals head coach. He said, just, you could tell that as soon as they said, you know, five minutes that he walked across the field, went to talk to McDermott and that you could just see the empathy on his face and, and how he handled it. So Rogers, you know, really was impressed by that. Um, but they talked about this at length, um, and I thought Rogers uh, really gave some interesting answers and just good answers about how the organizations like that in general respond. You know what this means for players and how they can try to move on, and a reminder that life is fragile. So it was it was definitely a, a very meaningful discussion and. Um, interesting to hear Pat McAfee's perspective being um, a former player and just somebody that's really connected in the NFL circle. Um, and then after that, you know, they they shifted into a little bit of talk about the Packers and this week, you know, he said, of course, this incident will be taken into consideration as they prepare for the week. It's impossible as human beings and, you know, people that play that, that game not to think about it. But it can't be ignored, but the Packers will still be ready. You know, he said, we're a tight-knit group. We're going to come together. We're going to be there for each other, and we're going to prepare um, for what is a really unique and good opportunity now for the Packers here in Week 18. Um, he did joke a little bit, and he said, funny how the narrative changes. First, everybody wants to play the Packers because he's washed and the team is terrible. And it's, you know, it's time, as McAfee and the boys said, it's time for Jordan Love. You know, people were calling for that. And now people are saying, I, I don't want to play the Packers. Packers look dangerous. You know, maybe they, they're a team that could sneak in the playoffs and, you know, they're getting hot at the right time. So he, he liked it. He said he actually loves the, how – the different narratives throughout the season. He just, and he loves the roller coaster. He just doesn't get on the ride, but he likes it because um, it's entertaining and brings a lot to the season. Um, he said he always believed in himself and the team. And now nobody needs to do anything for them. He said people already have mentioned the Browns. He said, thank you, Cleveland Browns, for winning over the weekend. Um, and now they just need to win against a good team um, at home. And that their confidence level is very high, especially with how well they're playing in all three phases of the game. You know, talked about the Nixon play, talked about how great it was to have Bakhtiari back, talked about just key guys that we all saw out on the field um, on Sunday. And, you know, Savage, Jarier, I mean, Kenny Clark, it, the list went on and on. Um and then they talked a little bit about the touchdown celebrations, specifically the air guitar, the gritty parade it looked like. And um, that was just, you know, it's funny to hear about um, in the moment how they come up with them and things like that. And of course, again, he ended the conversation with thoughts and prayers to Hamlin. And um, that's really the conversation and where it left it. But definitely a meaningful discussion this week on McAfee. Well, guys, it's it's unbelievably hard to 
believe that we're where we are right now because we were sitting at four, the Packers were sitting at four and eight and we were legit talking about like tanking the season. I was talking about like going for better draft picks and all that crap, but it is now officially week 18. And if the Packers win, they're in the freaking playoffs. I I, I mean, again, it's one of the many reasons I'm not in, you know, any toward any, type of management position or anything related to football. And I just talked about it on a podcast. So, um, but let's talk Packers offense versus the Lions defense, what you are looking for this week. Uh, Sarah, I know you just talked, but we normally like to let Dusty, you know, get his like 20 minutes at the end. So we'll Conservative. start <laughs> <laughs> No, mine's simple. Here we are. Win and you're in. Um, not saying that since he stopped doing the score predictions that the Packers season has turned around, but maybe that's the reason why. I mean, as soon as we stopped, our last one was in November. They have they didn't lose a game in December. One January 1st, 2023. So maybe we just never do it again. Um, what I'm looking for this week um, on offense is just Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Let's get the run game moving. Last time the Packers played the Lions in earlier this year, the run game was non-existent. Aaron Rodgers was the leading rusher with four carries for 40 yards for the Packers. Um, And, you know, obviously injuries played into that, but this is where I want to see the Packers absolutely dominate. It's January at Lambeau Field. This is why you have the running backs that you do. This is why when you're in the red zone, you have A.J. Dillon to just push through there and they need to find a way to get this going. So plain and simple, not going to overcomplicate it. Just looking for the run game and hope that they can really activate it this week against the Lions and secure that win. I'm going to be watching red zone stuff. Um, The Packers are... Since the last time they played, Detroit have really like stepped up their game. I believe I saw some DVOA stuff saying that they were um, like seventh in points scored and second in offense. But I mean, it's their, we all know it's their red zone stuff that is uh, that is still causing them problems, and we don't know what it is. Like the play calling seems to be suspect. Uh, or it's the execution that's suspect. Whatever it is, like nothing is clicking in the red zone for the most part. And I want to see them. This week, especially, like, the Lions are a high-scoring team, and you're going to have to put up the points. You can't settle for those field goals. Kind of like what I talked about last week, and, you know, the Packers got some good stuff going with a special team score and a defensive score, and so that helps their point total. But, like, offensively, you gotta you got to be able to put up those points, and you can't depend on that stuff every week. So I'm really looking for them to be effective in the red zone, and hopefully come out with a victory. Dusty, what do you got? Here we go. Um, yeah, the red, the um, the running game stuff's really interesting, Sarah, because that's that was kind of what I was thinking initially as well. Just because they have they've evolved quite a bit since since the last time they played the Lions, and the way they are kind of utilizing their tight ends in the run game and motion, using motion, all that stuff has been really really awesome. It's unlocked a bunch of stuff, so I'm excited to see how they do that. Um, I will, of course, be focusing on the the passing game because that's what I do. I will say before I even get to the offense. We don't talk about the defense here, but a defense needs to prepare for anything, man. Like it could be a point if the Seahawks win earlier today, the Lions are not playing for anything, but they're still coached by Dan Campbell and they're going to break out like a triple reverse 
uh, that, that ends up with like a lateral going to a running back that throws to a wide receiver down the field or a flea flicker that turns into a QB draw. Like they break out some weird, weird stuff but with their backs against the wall when their backs are not against the wall, specifically against the Packers. So defense needs to be ready for anything because they're going to throw some nonsense at them this week. But for the Packers offense, let's say roughly we know how they're going to attack the Lions defense because the same way they always attack the Lions defense. This Lions defense is one of the heaviest users of uh, cover one man free coverage in the league. I think number two behind only the Giants over 50 percent, I think close to 60 percent of their, their defensive snaps are either cover one or cover three, which makes them a single high team. And the what Rogers and what the Packers like to do against single high teams is just go bombs away. Slot fades, all kinds of stuff, man. You attack down the sideline and you take those bombs that they, they were not good against the Lions last time. Their four Rogers had 124 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That's good, but he's only four for 11, and they kept taking those shots. They do this every single year. They do this every single year, and I will say the big thing, and that's what I'm keeping an eye on, I don't know they're going to have 11 attempts 20 yards down the field, but I think they're going to have at least seven. I think they're going to take those shots against a single high. What I will say, because I was looking back at that Week 9 game, is what they had, their personnel now versus their personnel then. Against the Lions in Week 9, so Watson was still being worked back slowly from his injury. He played 17 snaps in the game, which was 23%. I think he had one catch. This was before the Cowboys game. So the Cowboys game, he had 84% of the snaps. That's when he has three touchdown, big breakout game. Against the Lions, Samari Torre actually outsnapped Christian Watson. Dobbs, this was supposed to be a big game for Dobbs. Dobbs got injured on the first snap. It was like that dig across the middle of the field. He gets hit. He's out for the game. Sammy Watkins was on the field for 81% of the snaps. So if you're looking at, and, uh, and during that game as well, Rodgers was still kind of struggling. He had the, the, the thumb stuff was still kind of bothering him. So he attacked the intermediate part of the field, that like 10 to 19 yard part of the field fairly well, but still had some issues there. Well, now we've got Watson, who I know is still not, he's not 100%. He's got the hip thing, but Do- Dobbs seems back to normal. Uh, Dobbs seems back to where he was. And Dobbs can attack the intermediate of the field, and the thumb injury seems to be all but gone. So I imagine Rogers going to be attacking that intermediate part of the field with Dobbs, takes some so- shots with Watson, which is better than taking shots with, say, Sammy Watkins or Samari Torrey, which they were doing in that first game. And I think that's going to go a long way to saying how this game ends up going. But I think they've got the personnel this time combined with the run game stuff that they did not before. So. Long story short, lots of kind of quick game, which they just killed the Vikings with. Lots of quick game, mixing some intermediate stuff with Dobbs, and then the, then the shots that either they dial those up or just one-on-one matchups up the sideline, which is likely what it's going to be more of. And if they can just – if they can live in that, you know, decent run game, live very, very well in the quick game, do some nice work in the intermediate game, you can deal with not a great deep game because they are going to take those shots. It's just a matter of kind of what they do with them. So – that's how we're looking for. It's really not that much different from any other Lions game over the past like three years. It's just a matter of kind of how they operate with them. And right now I think they've got the personnel to do some damage with it. All right. Let's um let's jump in, guys. We got some questions. And not not as much as we normally do, but we got some good stuff to to start us off for the week. So um first one up. We have got Mike. He wants to know what kind of contract do you see Nixon getting offered this off season? Um, now, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of start here. I know Dusty's got a good comp for this, but a couple like two two mil ish, maybe if they can afford that. I mean, from everything Ken Inglis has said, there's multiple you know, void year things that the Packers can do, contract extensions, restructures. They can get them to roughly around like 40 to 50 million 
available after the draft and practice squads and all that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of money to work with. So him being this effective, I would I would think that they want to figure out a way to bring him back. But I mean, as just a for the most part, just a a special teams kick returner ace like two years four mil. I mean, that'd be something I'd be think would be doable. But Dusty, what'd you pull? Yeah, something like that. Because I looked at, I mean, he's not a returner, but I looked at Matthew Slater, who's like the gold standard for uh, for special teams aces. He's been with the Patriots forever. He's 37 years old. I feel like he's been in the league for 37 years at this point. He's been one of the best special teamers in the league. And that's pretty much his only usage. And yeah, he's making about about two and a half. So again, not a returner. And so, you know, maybe you get a little bump there for that. But yeah, I, I think... And to me, it's like small sample size stuff as well. Like we've seen him do it for a little bit. Can he keep it up? He certainly seems like he has the ability to do it, but I'd say, yeah, a two year, $4 million deal seems feels about right. I mean, unless he can start contributing some, he played quite a few snaps a couple games ago on defense. He's not particularly good at it. So you'd like him to just be more or less a return man if he can. But with that in mind, uh, if he's not doing much on defense, yeah, two, two for four seems about right, especially with all the issues the Packers have had finding a returner over the years. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, next one we've got from Robbie. What is the biggest weakness the Packers still have? Sarah. Yeah, this is... And I'm just going to be broad here, but I think it's their defense in general. It, the defense has just been so up and down um, that it worries me that they could just have one off game and that's it. Um, you know, their pass rush hasn't been great. The run defense is, is just all over the place. Sometimes they get absolutely torched in the secondary and – it seemed like against the Vikings that things finally clicked. Like, hey, let's just put Jarier man on man with um, Justin Jefferson and let him cook, essentially, instead of, 
you know, playing a bit of softer coverages, but I'm just worried. I don't necessarily trust Joe Barry a hundred percent. So I'd say their biggest weakness right now is, is Joe Barry essentially. And just the game plan that they have in week 18. Yeah. I mean, I think the overarching answer for me is just lack of consistency. <laughs> I mean, that's like both sides of the ball, all facets of, of the game, run game, pass game. Some games are off. Some games are not. You just sometimes it, it looks better than it did early in the season. But yeah, I'm, I'm with Sarah. I mean, I think the overall defense specifically, I'll just go, I'll go uh, pass rush. I mean, I think, you know, without without Gary being in there, it's not been as good. They look good against the Vikings, and the Vikings do not have a great line in there down to their third string center. Preston Smith has had a good year. He's not you know super explosive, but he's looked good. I thought I think Bari has looked amazing. He's come along really well, and I really like Hollins, the the guy they they claimed off uh, the Rams. He's turned in some really good reps, and I really like him. But it still just feels like it's patched together with with duct tape and and uh, gum. So that th- it seems like against a good offensive line, they could give them a lot of issues. And so that seems like the biggest issue to me is just just pass rush in general. I'm still going to say special teams, um, the kick returns, punt returns has gotten a lot better, but the blocking, I, every single snap, I am still worried about it. I am still like a punt block this last game. And it's just every single time I am like waiting for the shooter drop of what's going to go wrong, what's going to happen. And it's, it feels like it shouldn't be the hardest thing in the world to correct, but it still feels like it's, it could happen at any time this year. And we know all too well how that happens to the Packers in the playoffs. Um, So yeah, that's, I think to me, that's the thing that I'm worried about the most. So Next question, we've got Kevin Cushing. Packers' red zone offense has been bad. Why is Aaron Jones not a part of the package? He had 19 touchdowns in 2019 and has always been good near the goal line. Food questions, do any of you grow your own food? So, uh, Dusty, we'll start with you because I think this first part was aimed towards you. My issue's always been like less that Jones is not down there and and more like when Jones is not out there because the earlier they because now they're doing a lot more of like under center. They got like these eye formation looks with the guards, the up back and Dylan back there. They've used a lot of 14 personnel with Dylan as the sole back and like four tight ends just bludgeon you to death. And I like Dylan for that. He had a touchdown run this past week. We got hit at like the three yard line and just drove guys into the end zone. If that's your if that's your approach down there, especially like low red zone inside the 10. I'm more than fine with that. My issue was when they're doing shotgun runs from the five and AJ Dillon's back there, that that's Aaron Jones territory right there, baby. Like you don't, I don't want AJ Dillon. They're going to run him out of shotgun. I think he's actually more effective out of shotgun, but down there, I don't want him out of shotgun. I want him running downhill. And so that was always my thing. They, they've leaned into it less heavy late recently, but when they were leaning into that very heavily, it's like, why is Aaron Jones not out there on these shotgun runs? Because you can do a lot more with him from there. So I think that's, that's kind of been, been my complaint. I, I, I've not really looked at his red zone snaps. I do feel, I mean, he's out there quite a bit. I feel like, I think Jones is kind of more of their high red zone, kind of the 11 to 20 guy. And then Dylan is more their, their zero to 10. I don't really have an issue with that. I, if it's that siloed, I don't know that I love it that much because kind of a tell for, for, for defenses there. But it's a, I, I don't know that I have a major issue with it. It's more the usage when they're actually in there. And then uh, do any of you grow your own food? Uh, no. No, we were talking about it. We, we probably will. My daughter is seven and she really wants to do a garden uh, this spring. So we've got – we bought some seeds. So I'm sure we'll, you know, do some tomatoes, do some green beans that will then get – eaten by all of the wild rabbits that inhabit our neighborhood. And, and then that'll be a nice lesson in terms of like, this, this, is, what, this is what wild animals do. Uh, but no, at the moment, uh, we do not currently grow our own food. 
Yeah, uh, this was totally a dusty question, at least the first part. So I'll just let him have that. And no, I do not grow my own food. Um, and I, I don't plan on it. I, I don't have the resources to do it, honestly. And I'm scared that I would mess it up somehow. Yeah, I do not grow my own food as well. Apartment living does not really um, yes, I'm with give you, you there. The, the opportunity <laughs> to grow your own food too much. So um no, uh, the best I can do is tell you that I shop at Aldi, and that's where I get uh, my groceries from. So, uh, next question we've got is from Brian. Um, he wants to know: Do you guys expect expect the shootout? I am, and your favorite milkshake ingredients, uh, Dusty. What do you think? I, not a score prediction. This is not a score prediction. <laughs> to be clear, but, we are never doing that again. <laughs> no, we are never doing that again. Nor prop bets. I think we've officially realized that that's that was the that was a kryptonite for the Packers. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, but do you expect a shootout? I don't. I mean, I think the Lions will likely throw more, um, but it's going to be. I didn't. I didn't check the weather. I think it's not going to be like cold, cold. But it's going to be. You know, it's going to be in Green Bay. It's going to be a little colder. I think the Lions will try to lean a little more on the run than maybe they traditionally do, just because they have Jared Goff at quarterback, who's had a very good season. But it's cold, and he's Jared Goff. Uh, and I think the the Packers again. I think they found something really, really good with their run game. So I kind of think this is going to be one. I think the approach is going to be they're going to try to go run heavy unless they don't get any traction, which is kind of what happened in that first uh, Lions game, and they'll just go from there. So I I wouldn't be shocked if there's a lot of points, but I would be kind of surprised if out of the gate both teams are just chucking. I just think both teams are going to want to run the ball if they can. I think the Lions will be forced to pass more, just just given kind of who they are and kind of where they are at this point. But I think the Packers are really going to try to lean on that run if they can. Oh, and the favorite milkshake ingredients. Uh, yeah. I mean, Oreos busted up, uh, Butterfingers and, uh, you know, the steak shack, uh, steak shack, steak shack has, uh, shake shack. shake shack, not say <laughs> I combined go. steak and shake and shake shack. Uh, they've got a chocolate bourbon milkshake. Uh, and so you've made those at home and those are tremendous. So it's, they just, you basically make a chocolate milkshake and then you pour a shot of makers in there and you mix it up. So I don't know what's my favorite milkshake ingredients, a, a chocolate and ice cream and bourbon, bourbon, I guess. Bourbon <laughs> is your favorite milkshake. There you go. For me, I, I agree with Dusty. I don't think this one is going to be a blowout. Um, Whatever the stakes are high and there's intense games. It was game- shootout, Sarah. Shootout, not blowout. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I was just saying shootout and blowout are very different things. True. Well, I don't think it's going to be that either. Um, I think that um, this one will be back and forth for a little bit, not intense, you know, to be a shootout, but we'll definitely lean one way probably in the third quarter and one team will feel comfortable. I don't see it being, um, oh, we're going to go to the last play of the game and there has to be, you know, a last second field goal or heroics. So um, I think it's going to be just kind of a, a decently close game and both the teams will fight. And favorite milkshake ingredients, yep, Oreo, of course, cookie dough, M&M's, those are kind of my top three. I do think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be kind of high scoring, like 30s, 40s, and back and forth, and hopefully the defense can hold. But, um, you know, the the Lions offense is is really clicking quite a bit, and they've got some really good playmakers and uh, some creative play calling. So I honestly do think it's going to – the score is going to run up there. So um uh, will be really interesting to see how that all goes. As far as milkshake ingredients, yeah, Oreo definitely is right up there. I also like Nerds. 
uh, Rainbow Nerds put in there as well, or Reese's Pieces, always a good thing. And, you know, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Chunks is always a good one, too. So, I mean, you can't really go wrong with, with milk. You're having a milkshake, so you're already doing you're doing well for yourself at that point. So, um, guys, that's going to do it for questions. But let's uh, finish out strong here with some closing thoughts. Sarah, what do you got for me? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Thoughts and prayers to Hamlin, his family, friends, the his teammates and just everyone that was impacted by um, Monday night's incident. And I just am really hoping for the best. I'm hoping we get um, some positive updates soon and hear that he's trending in the right direction because it's just an awful situation. And it's just a reminder, like I mentioned at the, at the beginning of the episode, that life is fragile. So, you know, if I have any message to give, it's, you know, tell somebody you love them today, you know, text an old friend you haven't talked to in a while, give your family member a hug, whatever it is, you know, just, just remind the people that you care about that um, you love them and that you're there for them because at the end of the day, that's what matters the most in this world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, echo all of that. I've got normal writing stuff or pack report wrote about uh, play action boot stuff and the answers to that. And she's at TV. I've got look at overall passing game and a couple of Lazard's um, third, third down conversions. Uh, it all seems fairly trite at this point to, to, to be looking at that, but I don't, I don't know another way to operate right now. So yeah, I mean, the most important thing right now is just, you know, just, just Hamlin and his health. And and I think I saw somewhere, I think the NFL offered, you know, mental health counseling to any of the players involved or, or really any player in the league that that was impacted by this. So, uh, you know, hopefully some players will take, take up on that. Cause I can't imagine what the players on the field and then, you know, friends and everyone else kind of, kind of are going through right now. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's, it's <laughs> hard to, I've been writing about football. I've been talking about football, but it's hard to fully focus on it with all the Hamlin stuff going on. So, so definitely just, just prayers that, that he, you know, whether or not he plays football again at this point is irrelevant, just that he, he pulls through and is able to be okay. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you guys more. Um, you know, I've been big on talking about mental health. So, uh, if there is, you know, triggering to you or like seeing those things or, you know, there's always, always somebody to reach out to because, you know, one of the, the worst feelings in the world is being lonely and not feeling like you've got somebody to talk to. So I'm really glad the NFL did that. But again, we've always mentioned our DMs are open. If you ever have issues you want to talk about, would more than happy to listen and talk. So feel free to do that. That's at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Keller for at Steve Perhatch. Also, you can find us at Pack a Day Podcast. We appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you so much for always interacting with us on Twitter. Um, And we're looking forward. We'll be back next week. And hopefully we'll be talking about a playoff game for the Green Bay Packers, which is nobody could have predicted about four or five weeks ago. But here we are. um, And it's really exciting and a lot of fun. So enjoy this game. Um, We will talk to you guys next week. And as always, Go Pack Go!